This is Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. Elliot, our next guest here, dominated the American League back in the 60s. He won two ERA titles. He was the 1963 Rookie of the Year, a two-time All-Star, former Chicago White Sox, Gary Peters. How you doing, Gary? How you doing, Gary? I'm doing good. So are you golfing today or you're taking the day off from golfing out down uh, no, there? I don't I only golf about one day a week. I'm uh, I'm not golfing today. Only one day a week. I thought once you retire you could golf 7 days a week. Hey, I'm getting too old. I got too many old baseball injuries. So uh, <laughs> it takes me a couple of days to heal after I play. The White Sox could use you right now. They're having a little pitching problems. Yeah, they're struggling a little bit. They just can't get above that very far above that 500 mark. And then they have to compete with a Detroit team that doesn't seem to want to lose either. Yeah, they've been, uh, Leyland's got those guys playing pretty good, yeah. Gary, when you came up to the White Sox in 59, I mean, they were playing for the World Series. Do you think, you know what, we should be able to do this every year? Uh, no, not really. It took me a long time to get up there. I uh, I kicked around the minor leagues in 59. I just pitched, all I did, I pitched in maybe an inning or two, but I pitched mostly batting practice for the World Series. I think I probably put them in a slump for the World Series. <laughs> so... What was your first impression when you went out to Los Angeles and saw him playing baseball in the Coliseum there? Oh, that was incredible. That the crowds in there, hundred and four thousand or whatever it was. It was, it was. I mean, I, you know, that was my first trip to the big league, so uh, I was very impressed. Did they give you a World Series share there, or? Oh no, no, I was on. I was a, uh, you know, the last twenty-five days they called you. Yeah. Okay, the September. Uh, they call did up. that to me for yeah. They did that. Uh, I had about five months in the big leagues and coffee breaks so, uh, before I was Rookie of the Year. So when that season when you were on Rookie of the Year in 1963, did everything just seem to click that year? Because you mentioned you had a couple cup of coffee before that, the several years before. What made that year different than the years before? Well, a couple things. I got a start. That was my first start after. And I only had, I don't know how many innings I had in the big leagues. I had five months, but I didn't have many innings, maybe, you know, 10 or 11 innings, something like that, I think. And I played winter ball in Puerto Rico that winter. I went down in the fall of 62. And I just uh, I, I found you know, a good release point, and my, my delivery really got where it should be. And, uh, and I pitched well in spring training. But, uh, you know, the White Sox always had good pitching. And I was Juan Pizarro got the flu. That's the only reason I got in Kansas City. So uh, it was kind of a good fortune for me. And he was a pretty good pitcher back in the day too. Oh yeah, another left-hander. Yeah, he could throw hard. He was uh, he was a uh, had a great fastball the, the two or three years I played with him. Now that's not something you you often see from a left-hander, you know, with the exception of a Sam McDowell or somebody like that. Usually it's a finesse guy yeah, up from well, the left side. Well, that, back then though, they were yeah the left-handers. Our ball moved more, though. You know, it had more natural movement on it. And most of it didn't throw hard enough to, you know, to stop it from moving. Guys that throw real hard, uh, their ball don't move as much because it's just because of the velocity. When you were pitching in the American League, I mean, you had the Yankees that contend with you, you had Cleveland, you had Detroit. How did you keep your ERA so low with all those great hitters? Don't give them too many runs. Uh, <laughs> we have, but, you know, we had... Uh, the Yankees beat us by one game in 63, I think, two games in 64. So we were in great pennant races, and it's easier to pitch when you're in competition like that. Uh, that Later, in the White Sox in 68, 69, 
we weren't in competition at all, and boy, it makes it so difficult to play when you're you, you don't you, you know you're kind of treading water. Well, there's a big difference, or there was a big difference at Comiskey Park, whether it's a full house or you know just a couple thousand people there. Does the adrenaline flow a, a little more easily when you have those packed crowds? No, I I didn't notice the crowds too much once I was after I was in the big leagues a little bit. It was more, uh, you, you know, if you didn't notice a crowd, you can't concentrate on who you're pitching to or what you're doing. And uh, I was a control pitcher, and I had to throw the ball where I wanted to. And I I was more conscious of that than I was of of the crowds. But it, of course, it's nicer to have big crowds. Uh, whether you're pitching or not, it's. Uh, I live down here uh, in Sarasota, and the Rays, who, who play, they're good to watch, but they just don't draw for some reason. You were a control, you were a control pitcher, but what you did with your ERA is phenomenal because usually when you see ERAs in the high ones, low twos, they're dominating power pitchers. It's Bob Gibson or somebody like that, right? Bob Gibson, Bob Feller, and I mean, what you did, how, how do you do it as a control pitcher? Because one day you might not have the control. Well, I could throw, you know, I threw fairly hard for, for my ball moving for as much as it moved. Uh, well, Tommy John was the same way. You know, he had a layup, and he was there. He pitched a lot like I did, and Joe Horland pitched a lot like I did. We all had low ERAs. Uh, I don't think it requires a real hard throw. I don't know what, I think I might have been able to throw in the low 90s, something like that, but I didn't try to. You know, I was, I, I wanted to throw the ball to the exact location I was. I wanted to. More than just throw it hard. I think, I think that's kind of over exaggerated nowadays. A lot of these young guys, they're just seeing how hard they can throw it. They're falling down when they throw some up. Yeah. Trying to throw so hard. What do you think of uh, the fragility of today's pitchers as opposed to the guys, you know? Well, you know, players are bigger and stronger now, but I don't know. And they all got their own trainers and they all got a better a health regimen than we had, but there seems to be a lot more injuries for some reason. I don't know. Uh, some of the warm-ups I do when I go up to see the Rays or see a game somewhere else, uh, the, they don't do too serious on their warm-up regimen, it doesn't look like to me. I don't know why they're getting hurt so much, unless it's that, but there seems to be a, you know, quad, all things, we never even heard of quads. Like <laughs> and now everybody's out with quads or something. When they lowered the mound in the late 60s, how much did that affect you and the other pitchers? Oh, it affected us quite a bit. Uh, and it, and I don't know if you know it or not, but in Comiskey Park, we also, they put uh, artificial turf in that year. And we were all sinker ball pitchers. And, of course, artificial turf is conducive to hard ground balls becoming base hits. But both those things were just detrimental to the to the way three or four of us pitched on that stat. Now, who was the batter that gave you the most trouble? Oh, probably Killebrew. I don't know that he hit a lot of home runs off me, maybe two but or three, but... Uh, he was hard to pitch to. He he seemed to be able to cover the strike zone better than any power hitter I pitched to. Most of the power hitters, if I threw the ball where I wanted to, I got him out. But Killebrew, you know, I could set him up and throw the ball where I wanted to, and he'd still hit it. I might not hit a home run, but he'd hit it hard somewhere. You weren't too shabby hitter either, though. I mean, you hit the grand slam against the Yankees. You had 19 career home runs. I mean, you would have hated the DH. Oh, yeah, I I didn't like it when I saw it coming in the papers after I retired. I was thinking, God, I'm glad I retired and didn't have to sit and watch somebody bat for me, you know. Now, what was your most memorable home run? Was it the Grand Slam? Uh, yeah, probably one of the most memorable. 
uh, I would have to say, yeah, that that, that home run I hit uh, against the Yankees. Uh, I remember some of them, but I don't even remember all of them. But I remember that one very good. A lot. Of, we've had a lot of the former players on, and I'd say the majority of them say Willie Mays was the greatest baseball player ever. The only ones who say Mantle were the ones who actually played with Mantle. Who do you think was the best ever? Well, I didn't see Willie except on TV and stuff like that, but... Uh, you know, when you get to that level, between him and Mantle, there wasn't much difference. Uh, Willie was healthier than Mantle. It, you know, uh, Mantle's leg, he had leg problems even in the middle of his career. So that, that hurt him. But those two guys were undoubtedly the best two all-around ball players. Uh, and I think Ted Williams was the best hitter. But uh, as far as all-around ball players, Mays and Mantle are right at the top. I, I would be, have a hard time judging not seeing Willie much. What was it like going from the White Sox to the Red Sox? Well, the pay was better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the Red Sox, you know, the White Sox were uh, a business. And the Red Sox were a hobby for Tom Yockey. I got over there. I was player rep all those years. I got over there, and they came. Tom Yockey and Dick O'Connell told me uh, in spring training, because they elected me player rep since I got there. And... They said, listen, anything these players want to be comfortable or happy regarding travel or hotels, just let us know and we'll do it. And in Chicago, you know, I had, if we had a bad hotel, I had to fight like heck to change hotels. Who was the owner when you were with the White Sox? Was it Vec or was it prior to Vec? Well, I, when I went there, it was uh, in 59, it was Vec, I think. And then Arthur Allen bought the ball club. Well, Comiskey owned it when I first went there, uh, when I first came up. And then uh, then. Arthur Allen bought the ball club. I don't know what year, but he had that club for most of the time I was there. So I didn't play much when back on it, I don't yeah. think. How does one become a player rep? Does everybody else step backwards when they say they're looking for volunteers? Yeah, that's one thing. It, 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 back then it was really a tough job because uh, the owners didn't even want to meet with, you know, they, it was, uh, it was, a, and I still think uh, in Boston, they, 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 I got along good with the general manager up there until we had to strike in 72, which uh, in the spring of 72, it shortened the season, the first really major strike. And uh, they didn't like me as well after that. They, I know I got taken out of the starting rotation that year. Uh, Ray Kulp was my assistant. We both didn't get any more starts after, after about the first three weeks of the season. So. Pure coincidence, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, back <laughs> in those days, what else could it be? Did you enjoy playing at Fenway Park? Oh, yeah, I did. I thought Fenway, you know, it hurt. It, 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 it costs pitchers something, but it helps pitchers, too. A lot of left-handers come in, especially guys coming in there, right-handed hitters. They they get up on top of the plate, and they want to pull the ball all the time. And for a guy that has, I could throw the ball on the inside part of the plate pretty good. And uh, when you can pitch inside there, the hitters are too close to the plate, so they're easy to jam, you know. And there's a lot of room. And right center, uh, where, where a low ball, sinker ball pitcher like me, they, they hit a lot of balls. If they hit it in the air, they hit it out that way a lot. So it, it, it was an, both an advantage and a disadvantage. I, I think in the long run, it's probably even Steven, you know, as far as helping you. Know. What was your favorite park to play in? Oh, the old Comiskey Park, I'd have to say, and then Yankee Stadium. Well, those three, Comiskey Park, Yankee Stadium, and Fenway were the, you know, really to me, uh, the big league ballparks. Uh, they were they were all all great ballparks playing. When you first play in Yankee Stadium, it, I don't care where you play it, it's a thrill when you walk out in that field. You know, I mean, 
when you face the Yankees, they had all those future Hall of Famers. Did you ever say to yourself, you know what? They have the best talent money can buy. Well, they were they were a good team, and back then they you know they they developed a lot of their own players. It wasn't like they do now, but they bought a lot of players, uh, not as many as they do now. But they got a lot of players from Kansas City. They, we used to say, well, Kansas City's the Yankee farm club, you know, because a uh, guy would have a good year in Kansas City, and then next year he'd be with the Yankees. But uh, yeah, they, oh, their lineup, their lineup back then was like it is now. It's just there's nobody. There's no rest stops in the lineup. You got to, every a guy comes up there, you got to bear down on. Okay. What do you think of uh, player salaries nowadays? Well, I think, like I say, when I was player rep, the owners we had to hire Marvin Miller to get him to even pay any attention to us, and we had very little, very little horsepower. And nowadays, I think the players got too much horsepower nowadays. I think they, I think the, two, the salaries are. Some guys that are mediocre players are making too much money. The big guys that are that draw the people in the ballpark, I think you know they need to make a lot of money. But you know, there's guys hitting 220 and making eight million dollars and stuff like that, which seems high to me. You know, but I'm so far away from it now. It's, it's hard. I'm sure if I was playing now and not winning, I'd still want to be one of those big salaries. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, I, I even uh, there's a broadcaster down here. I see fellows. Uh, talking to me about that, I said, "Well, don't tell me you wouldn't take ten million if they paid you ten million to to write a column." You know. Yeah. How surprising is it that Marvin Miller's not in the Hall of Fame? Very well. The owners don't want him in there. Obviously, I I I think the players. I've signed I don't know how many things trying to get him in the Hall of Fame. There's, it's just ridiculous to me. He's not in there. He changed the whole, the whole face of baseball, and uh, for him not to be in there is just a joke. But. You know, the owners, they don't want him in there, obviously. And uh, so it, it gets squashed every time somebody brings it up. Thank you so much for your time, Mr. Peters. It was a pleasure talking to you. Okay, thank you. And go play some more golf. You deserve it. <laughs> okay, we'll do it. Bye. That was former White Sox and Boston Red Sox, Gary Peters. But you made a good point about Marvin Miller. He should be in, and these players should be fighting to get him in yeah, because I mean- he made them. What they're getting now. Yeah, all, all those people with the nice pensions, all those players with the nice salaries. He made the multimillionaires and he made baseball a billion dollar game. Yep. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to have on a gentleman who played with the Houston Astros, he had over 290 home runs. His nickname, you know what that was, Elliot? The Toy Cannon. The Toy Cannon, Jim Wynn. You're listening to Sports and Torts. I'm David Spear with Elliot Harris. Stay tuned. <laughs> 